As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. This is the Rich Dad Radio Show. The good news and bad news about money. Here's Robert Kiyosaki. Hello, hello, hello. This is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. The question is, what is the hardest thing about business and life? People. That's the hardest thing there is. I, I can't imagine anything harder. That's why I meet people who are self, totally self-employed, like a friend. He has no employees. It's just him. He can make money all on, all on his own. He's a one-man tycoon. And he's the luckiest guy I know. He's, he doesn't need anybody. But the moment you enter business and you start depending upon people, it's a whole different world. So anyway, this is Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, and welcome to the program. We have a very in- interesting program. It's called Loon Shots, about a book just released. It's Safi Bakal, and it's how to nurture the crazy ideas that win wars, cure diseases, and transform industries. And as far as I can tell, the book is kind of about people, isn't it? It is about people. It's about what can you do if you're inside a team or a company or even a nation to encourage those crazy ideas that they're often overlooked and they're neglected, but those are the ones that can transform your business. Any comments there, Kim? Well, I just want to introduce Safi because, Safi, a lot of times what, what I say is business would be so easy if it wasn't for people. <laughs> <laughs> but, Safi, you have quite the, uh, quite the background. Um, your second-generation physicist, a biotech engineer, had a, a, tons of experience in what you do and author and speaker, and your book just came out a few, a few months ago. Um, you also co-founded a biotech 
technology company, and you were the CEO of that for 13 years. So you have quite the background, and now you're working with all sorts of organizations imparting your knowledge and your principles of loon shots um, into their business. And one of the things I love is, you know, a lot of organizations, they start out and they have these wild, crazy ideas, and then they succeed, and then all of a sudden everything gets stagnant. <laughs> so what is loon shots? Well, let me start with the word, which is why everybody knows what a moonshot is. A moonshot is a big goal or a destination, something like curing cancer, eliminating poverty. But if you look back at history, the big ideas, the ones that really change the course of science, business, or history, rarely arrive with blaring trumpets and red carpets dazzling everybody with their brilliance. They're usually neglected or dismissed, and their champions written off as crazy and since there wasn't a good language, a good word for that in the English language, I made one up. I called those loon shots. And the reason those are so important is that if you look, whether it's in the military, as we were just talking about before this call, or, or in businesses, those ideas that can save a business, can rescue a struggling business, or can give birth to a new ones are almost always the ones that are written off as nuts. The people behind them are written off, oh, you, you, there's no way this could ever work, and so on. And that's why it's important to understand how do we think about these loon shots? How can we design our teams, our companies, or even our nations to encourage these kinds of crazy ideas even better? So let me, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, the part I liked about the, as far as I got into your book, you talk about water, and there's three phases in it. One is all ice. And then second is on the edge. That's where you have a combination of water and ice just before it freezes and then it, or it goes all water. And are you saying that the edge is the best where you have some ice and some water? Or a lot of times what I see in organizations, they're too tight, they're so bureaucratic, they can't move, which is all ice. And some are so loosey-goosey, it's all water and there's no productivity. I mean, is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, that's exactly it. It's, it's, why is it that teams or companies suddenly change from embracing wild new ideas to rigidly rejecting them? Just like, as you mentioned, the glass of water will suddenly change from liquid to solid ice. And often you see that in a glass of water that happens as you lower the temperature you have these molecules sloshing around happily, and then all of a sudden they line up as you cross 32 Fahrenheit. Yeah, and, and I, it, I call that, you know, the bureaucracy sets in, and there's multi-layers of middle managers, and everybody's got to have an opinion, and nothing happens. So it goes from it, a very free-flowing company to, I don't, what would you call it, just this corporate structure bureaucracy. Is that, is that kind it, of what you're saying? Yeah, it goes to being very rigid. And the reason... In science, that's called a phase transition. And those are very important to understand because once you understand them, you can begin to manage them. For example, people talk about culture, culture, culture all the time. And when I first started out as a CEO 16, 17 years ago, I read everything I could find. It was all about culture, culture, culture. But it just seemed very squishy to me, a lot of soft psychology. And I was looking for some more hard science. And that's kind of got how I got started on this. But, you're, but, way, you're, but you also yeah. come from the world of science. And you know the big word is culture, which is human side. How do the, the two, how did that affect, being a scientist, how did that affect your looking at organizations 
with human beings who are squishy and morphous, and they're all different. <laughs> squishy and morphous. Well, that's a great question. <laughs> so you can think of culture as the patterns of behavior that you see. You can think of structure as those small changes in organization that underlie those patterns of behavior, that drive those patterns of behavior. Here's kind of a crazy analogy. Think about a glass of water. When it's warm, the molecules are sloshing around. And when it's cold, when it's freezing, the molecules are locked rigidly in place. Totally different patterns of behavior. Same molecules. And it's exactly the same molecules. And in fact, as you lower the temperature, why do they suddenly change? It's the same molecules. And there's no CEO molecule with a bullhorn <laughs> saying, you know, everybody slosh around. It's 33 Fahrenheit. No, wait, everybody line up rigidly. They just do it. And so, let, so let me repeat this because I, I think what you're saying, because it's a problem we all face anytime you deal with people. So it's in between there when you have part water and part ice. Is that what you're saying is the most optimum productivity for organization? Absolutely. You can think of culture as those patterns of behavior, structure of those things like the small change in temperature that drives the change between these two phases. Now, if you're a big company, if you're a large company or a military, you need both. You need the embracing wild new ideas, sort of that liquid crazy phase, and you need the rigid discipline and execution of directing millions of soldiers in battle or delivering your products on time, on budget, on spec. Amen. And the exactly. And the only way to do both, by the way, I should say the every now and then I talk to some folks and someone will raise their hand and they'll say, what about a Slurpee? <laughs> okay. Just for the record, this a Slurpee is a liquid, kind of a little bit of a disgusting sugary liquid in which there are suspended blocks of ice, but they're rapidly melting. If so you wait five that, minutes, it will be all liquid. Right. Well, so that's, well, I, don't, I don't know if you know this, but 7-Eleven now has, you can home deliver Slurpees to you. <laughs> I don't know how they're going to do it. They have to freeze it or something to get it to you. <laughs> But if you're trying to build a business or if you're a military trying to win a battle and stay ahead of your competitors, you need to do both. You need to come up with those crazy wild new products before your competitors do or in the case of the military before your enemies do. And you need the rigid discipline and execution to turn those concepts into real products that you can deliver. And, at and I said this earlier is that a lot of times when organizations mature, they turn to ice. They get bureaucratic. They got so many layers of management and so many layers of approval, nothing gets done. And, and Would that be the ice phase? That's exactly right. As you increase size, there's a tug of war acting on each of those molecules. In a glass of water, there's a tug of war. One force wants molecules to run around and be free. That's called entropy. That's just a fancy word for run around and be free. And the other wants them to lock rigidly in place. That's Centrally. called binding energy. So, so what yeah. if so what if you're in an organization and you have a, a wild idea and they say, oh, you know, we've already tried that. No, that'll never work. How do you come up with when you're in an organization, a large organization, even a small organization, and your ideas are getting shot down? People inside large organizations, even small organizations, need to understand and start with this concept that there are these two different ways of working. There are two different dynamics. In one case, you want to maximize risk. If you're trying new things, you want actually to fail a lot. If you're not failing a lot, you're not being crazy enough. You're not pushing the envelope enough, and your competitors might be doing a better job at that than you. 
you want to fail as much as you can. You want to try things on the edge so that you don't get surprised by your competitors with something new. At the same time, you need the discipline. So if you're inside a company and you're on one group or the other, it starts by understanding that both sides are important. I call it love your artists and soldiers equally. So that's, that's, what I was, that's what I was waiting for you to say. What's Who is the artist and who is the soldier? The artists are the creatives or the designers or the engineers coming up with the wild, wacky new ideas. Steve Jobs. And they, they, exactly. And they love their new ideas. They, it's like a beautiful baby to them. The soldiers are the ones that are responsible for delivering those things on time, on budget, on spec, and they hate risk. They want things done on time, on budget. Those are the people who make the money. The artists are the ones who spend the money. And there's always <laughs> there's always conflict between yes, the two. Yes. And you have to start from the top and understand that you need both and you have to love both equally. Just like if you're a parent, let's say you grew up in the military and you have one kid that wants to be a soldier and one kid that wants to be an artist, you have to love both equally. You but, don't want to create sibling rivalry. But that's such an important point to understand whether you're a soldier and an artist, and especially if you're running the company, if you're the CEO and you're the soldier and you have all these artists running around and you're going to keep shooting down their ideas is what you're saying. You've got to really recognize who the players are. Right. And this goes against a lot of kind of conventional wisdom and stuff you read in business magazines. For example, Steve Jobs, there's this myth that he was sort of the ultimate artist. And when he led like that, and he did lead like that in his first time starting a company, it was a disaster. So when he was in his 20s and his first stint at Apple and he said, oh, we're going to all work on the Macintosh now and all the people working on the Macintosh are doing the wild, new, artistic, creative thing and all you people doing the Apple II franchise, the Apple III are bozos, it was incredibly demotivating. It created incredible hostility. The people working on the franchise product, which brought in 90, 95% of the revenue of the company, got buttons with pictures of Bozo the Clown and a red sash in <laughs> oh a gosh. circle saying, we're not Bozos. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> and the hostility he oh. created between those two groups was so great that the street between their two buildings was known as the DMZ, wow. the demilitarized zone. I never knew that. And but he was, also, started, he, he was also pretty a tough guy, too, wasn't he? I mean, he I, was, and that, that – exactly. And I, that wasn't good. When the Macintosh launched, it was a flop. They say, you know, it was too hot, it would overheat it, it was too slow, and people didn't buy it. It was great publicity, but it was a flop. And then the franchise tanked, and Apple started heading for bankruptcy. And that's why Jobs was asked to leave the company. When he came back 12 years later... After starting appointed, Pixar. After starting Pixar and after starting the next computer company, he learned a lot of lessons along the way. And when he got back, he appointed... Johnny Ive, one of the legendary product designers of all times. And if you have Apple products, designed by his group. Right. And then he brought in another guy named Tim Cook. In his previous job, he was called the Tilla the Hunt of Inventory. And if there's a, a better name for a soldier inside a company, I don't know it. So that's the, and, that's the disciplinary and the, the soldier side. Exactly. Tim Cook. He learned to lead by loving his artists and soldiers equally. And when he died... Who took over? It was Jim not Cook. the ultimate artist. It was Tim Cook, the ultimate soldier. Correct. Once again, we're talking to Safi Bacall. His book is called Loan Shots. He's a second-generation physics physicist. He's a biotech engineer. He's an author and a speaker. So anyway, it's really interesting talking to you, Safi. And then we'll come back. We're going to go into more my territory. 
is you talk about, you've been saying that the military is now starting to talk to you about how to, let's say, restructure, maybe reculture the military. That would be interesting because I went to military school and served six years as a Marine pilot. And so that's a whole different culture than the civilian culture. So we'll be talking about that. We'll also be talking about, Sophie, I'd love to, when we come back, talk about the the relationship between productivity and politics, because there's so much politics in business these days that sometimes it, it stifles productivity. So I'd love your input on that. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate, and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. What is your number one expense in life? Your number one expense expense. It's taxes. And I've asked the question is, how come there's no financial education in school, but why isn't there education on taxes either? You know, they tell you to save money, which is stupid. They tell you to invest in the stock market, which is stupid. But what they teach you about taxes? So here we have Rich Dad Advisor, Tom Wheelwright. We're talking about his revision for his book, Tax-Free Wealth. Welcome, Tom. Thanks, Robert. So what's the tax-free wealth about? What What's different this time? It's a rev- revised edition. Well, so what we did was, is we ha- this is the first major tax reform we've had in 30 years, 2017. Right. It was 86 was the last one. 86 was the last one right. back when I was in Washington, D.C. So many guys got wiped out because of that tax change. <laughs> they did. They yeah. did. It wiped out an entire industry, savings and loans. This new tax law is just as big, but in a very different way. It affects different industries. You know, the tax law is always a series of incentives. And the question is always which incentives and which ones apply to me. And so the key to revising tax-free wealth was what is it, what changed so much in this new tax law that we can absolutely take advantage of, I mean, seriously, the amazing incentives. For example, I mean, the bonus depreciation, for example, for real estate is unbelievable. You buy a a, a million-dollar apartment, get a $300,000 reduction or more the very first year. So if you want to make more money and pay less taxes like Donald Trump and myself, get Tom's book, Tax-Free Wealth. It pays to listen. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And you can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on iTunes or Android. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them because repetition is one of the best ways to learn. If you listen to this program one more time, you'll remember even more. But more importantly, especially with this program, it's got friends, family, and business associates, people, living, breathing people, to listen to this again and discuss your relationships inside your company or a family. 
Our guest today is Safi Bakal. He is a second-generation physicist, biotech entrepreneur, author, and speaker. The book we're talking about is Loan Shots, How to Nurture Crazy Ideas That Win Wars, Cure Diseases, and Transform Industries. So we're talking about the three things I like at the start of his book. There's three phases, you know, in water. You have you have ice, you have water, and then I mean you have ice, and then you have ice and water, a slushy, and then it turns to water. And many times the organizations are either too tight, they're iced, or they're too slushy, or they're too watery, and nothing gets done. So any comments, Kim? Well, as I said at the start of the show, I, I always say business would be easy if it wasn't for people. So this is a great book, Loon Shots, because, uh, Safi, one of the things I love the, the point you're making about there's a balance of productivity, politics, and incentives. And anybody that's owned a company knows every company has productivity issues, politics, and they deal with incentives. So how do you look at that? It goes back to this sort of culture versus structure. If you create a structure where you celebrate and reward rank, the culture that you're going to drive is politics. Everybody's going to be sort of elbowing their neighbor to get ahead. And that's terrible for nurturing and promising new ideas because everybody's going to be shooting down their neighbor's ideas. So if you celebrate rank, you create a very political culture. So rank the, being seniority, how, how much? Exactly. All of that. Exactly. Okay. If you reward people based on their level, you will get a political culture, which will be terrible for nurturing new ideas. Yes. If, on the other hand, you reward people based on results, based on intelligent risk-taking, you will get a very innovative culture. So that's how structure can drive culture. There's a, actually a cliche in business. Culture eats strategy for breakfast. So what I'm saying is structure eats culture for lunch. <laughs> what was that like again? That. What was that again? <laughs> that's good. Well, there's a cliche that culture eats strategy for business. A lot of venture capitalists and other people like to say that sort of thing. And what I'm saying is structure eats culture for lunch. So structure is the key over culture. Exactly. So small changes in, in how you incentivize people and how you reward people and how you design your teams and companies that will drive the patterns of behavior that you see, just like a small change in temperature can change a glass of water from being totally fluid to totally solid. And one of the things you say about incentives, which I thought was fascinating, often people are sucking up to their boss, to their manager, they're sucking up to the person who they think is going to give them the incentive, the raise, the promotion. And you have this idea of you bring somebody from the outside in who does incentives, who only comes there for a short period of time. So people can't be, aren't wasting their time through politics of, of you know, sucking up to people in order to get a raise. You have somebody from the outside come in. I think that's fascinating. Exactly. It sounds like a crazy idea, but take managers out of the reward decisions, out of the promotion decisions. It seems bizarre. It seems crazy. Like, oh, I have these couple employees that report to me. Of course, I'm going to decide who gets promoted or not. But actually, some of the best companies in the world, let's say Google or even McKinsey, they take the managers almost entirely out of it. What does that do? Well, how do those associates who are working for them or their employees or the reports working for them get along? They don't spend their time lobbying their boss for a promotion because their boss isn't responsible for the promotion. Instead, the boss will be interviewed along with their, their people on the left and the right of them, their clients, their customers. So they just focus on getting their job done and collaborating well. 
So that's one way to reduce politics is take managers out of the equation. Good. So, you know, like um, I've seen so many companies just turn to ice. The bureaucracy just gets horrifying. And I'm talking to middle manager after middle manager after middle manager, each with their territory, each with their own agenda, each with their own, I don't know, priorities in life, and nothing gets done. That's what drives me crazy. But anyway, you're going to start work with some of the military, the Army, Navy, and possibly, I mean, Army, Navy, Air Force, possibly. What is the difference between a military culture, which I come out of, and a corporate culture, civilian culture? Well, I think... There, what's even what's fascinating to me is how similar they are. And the, the folks that I've talked to in the military who've reached out um, really just recently after uh, reading this book have been reaching out with an incredible curiosity and just general, genuine interest to learn. It's actually really refreshing. In fact, I find the folks that reach out to me from the military often have a far better attitude towards learning about leadership and management than the folks in the corporate world who think they've got it all figured out. And and they they reach out for an extremely important reason for our security, for national security. And that's because you don't want to be putting troops on a battlefield and all of a sudden be surrounded by machine learning robots that wipe them out. The nature of war is changing enormously fast. And in prior military, you know, in the maybe 20, 30, at the start of World War II, for example, we were far behind our enemies in technology. The Nazi Germany had these things called U-boats, these submarines, which we had no answer for and were strangling the Atlantic, shooting down ships faster than we could build them every single month. Their planes were better than anything that we had in our uh, in the Allied Air Forces, and these two German scientists had discovered this thing called nuclear fission, splitting the atom, which put Hitler within reach of the most dangerous weapon ever created by mankind. So we started behind in the last war, in the last World War, but fortunately we came up with a system for mobilizing the nation scientists in times of war, in time of war for innovating astonishingly fast, and we caught up and then exceeded our enemies and that allowed that was incredibly important in turning the course of that last war but that was 70 years ago the pace of technology has changed now we may not be so lucky now if war breaks out and we're surrounded by machine learning robots annihilating our soldiers it's too late and so for extremely good reason the army has had their biggest reorganization in 30 years 40 years they created this Army Future Command, now centralized in Austin, Texas, to try to figure out how can the Army increase the pace and scale at which it innovates to stay ahead of the curve, to stay ahead of our enemies. And it's an incredibly important time, and they specifically want to understand how do we nurture those ideas that seem crazy but turn out to be incredibly important. And what suggestions do you have? Yeah, that's a huge task. Oh, my goodness. Well, you know, I'll give you an example, uh, which I actually start the book with. And in fact, it really started this whole book is when I was asked to work with President Obama's Council of Science Advisors on national research. And the guy stood up the first day and said, your job is to write the next generation of the Vannevar Bush report. You know, at the time I was a businessman, I was running a publicly traded company. I didn't do a lot of history reading or science policy. And I had no idea who Vannevar Bush was or what his report was. 
So I went back and he was the guy who created a new system in the military. He was a dean of engineering at MIT. He came in, he had a meeting with President Roosevelt with FDR and said, look, we're gonna lose this war. It was a 10 minute meeting. He said, we're gonna lose this war. Our technology is too far behind and the military will never catch up in time. It's like you mentioned, they're frozen, they're stuck. It's full of middle managers who quash new ideas. So he created a new system, he separated. He created a new group within the federal government, which was full of wild scientists and crazy scientists, and they just kept coming up with these crazy new ideas, many of which failed, but some of which were incredibly important. And that's the kind of thing, I think we've lost our way a little bit in the last 50 or so years inside some of our national organizations, and that's the kind of thing we wanna try to bring back. How do we create that sense of urgency? How do we create these separate groups understanding that we absolutely need both. We need that tight discipline to direct millions of soldiers in battle, just like companies need the tight discipline to deliver products on time, on budget, on spec. But we also need that those crazy ideas and a completely different system and environment for nurturing those ideas that might become very important. Amen. Anyway, you know, the, the thing that I realize, I went to military school academy and then flew for the Marine Corps, we had extreme discipline, but we also had extreme flexibility. You know, as pilots, we, we flew in formation, we went in, but once the shooting started, we were allowed to do what we had to do to get the job done. And then when I come into the civilian world, I don't even find that. I don't find any camaraderie, I don't find any discipline, and it's just people just CYAing their position, hoping not to get fired so they can get the next promotion. And, and I, I find that, I call, I call it the bureaucracy of organization. How does somebody not let that set into the company? Because it's just a horrible feeling to have all these little people telling you what to do, but they don't get anything done. Exactly right, and that's exactly what I mean by changing culture. If you reward people based on rank and promotions, that's what they're gonna talk about in the hallways. And you have to change the structure. For example, small companies, why do they not have that? Because rank doesn't matter. Imagine you're a five-person company and you're developing, like in my, in my case, it was, a new, it was a new cancer drug. Imagine you're a five-person company. Yeah, maybe there's, of course, there's team members and team captains, but it doesn't matter who's the captain or not. If that drug works, everyone's a hero and a millionaire. If it fails, everyone's unemployed. So everybody rolls up their sleeve to get the job done. And so what you need to do inside a large company is change the incentives. Stop rewarding rank. Stop rewarding pay. You can, I'll just give an extreme example. Suppose you paid everybody the same base salary regardless of their rank, but you only rewarded them on their ideas and results. Why would you care about promotion? Of course you wouldn't care about promotion. I like you that would idea. Just, <laughs> you would just, nobody would, you see that, that you can diagnose a disease by what do people talk about in the hallway. When you're a small team or company or group, what do they talk about in the hallway? Their idea, you know, your small film production shop, how do we save, rescue this film? How do we get the best director? How do we get the best actor? How do we fix the script? If you're, uh, you know, a biotech or, uh, you know, a small IT company, you know, how do we create the best product? How do we win more customers? Da, da, da. No one talks about, am I the team member, the team captain? Who cares? Who cares what signs on your door? Now you fast forward, if you're a much larger company, you People are just getting rewarded based on their base salary. Of course, that's what they'll talk about in the hallways. Well, what's your title? What's your title? What's your title? What's his title? And so on. How so much a lot of you, gossip. There's how a lot much of is your bonus? How much is your bonus? How much is your bonus? 
Jeez, it makes me nuts. <laughs> anyway, you know, like, uh, you know, one of the reasons, Safi, that I like sales was that I got paid if I, you know, if I sold, I ate, and if I didn't sell, I didn't eat, and I like to eat. But when I went into admin, they were not motivated by the same incentives, you know. So whether I got my order in or not, they didn't really care because they didn't get paid any more. Whereas if I got my orders in, I got paid. Is that kind of what you're talking about? Exactly. Those are the underlying subtle elements of structure. How do you reward people? How you reward people, the structures you design, the incentives you put in place will drive, do you encourage politics or do you encourage innovation? Love that. And and you, you say, you know, as you said before, the, the two dynamics that have to be within any organization is there's got to be that dynamic where you fail a lot, where you make a lot of mistakes, where you're always on the edge taking risks. And then the other part is that you need the discipline. So if we're out there and we're failing a lot, and we get this question a lot, if we're failing a lot and we're taking all these risks and, and making all these mistakes, how do you personally, what's your, uh, your, your philosophy on persisting through these, these failures that are happening every day? I would say two things. I have two acronyms that I keep in mind. I have them posted on my wall. One is LSC. LSC to me is listen to the suck with curiosity. And by that, I mean <laughs> when something doesn't work and, you know, someone said, you know, you have this beautiful baby, you're excited, it's your product and you show it to somebody and they say, no, I'm not interested and blah, blah, blah. Rather than just getting angry or dismissing them or telling your friends it's stupid or, or calling your mother and, you know, <laughs> having her support you, you ask, you put aside your urge to defend and dismiss and ask them politely because it's a gift. G getting real feedback is a gift. There's no upside in it for them. Ask them to help you understand what is it that doesn't resonate. Because only by pulling on those threads might you discover that little gold mm -hmm. nugget. They may know something about what a competitor is doing that you had no idea. They may see something in your product or your idea that you were totally blind to. That little nugget can save you. So you listen to this. So you don't just repeat back like all that active listening stuff you hear in <laughs> trainings. That's sort of boring and a waste of time. Thank you for what saying you that. <laughs> what you want to do is set aside the urge to punch them in the face because they're not buying your stuff or they've dismissed you and put on your Sherlock Holmes hat or if you're a little older, your Columbo hat and say, really, what, could you help me understand why you're not interested and it's totally okay? So the one thing to persist is LSC because if the really great entrepreneurs and innovators, I would see that over and over working with them. They just kept probing Help me understand. And, what and I, that's how they tease that. What I love about that, too, is because oftentimes people are so passionate. Like you said, they love the baby. They're so passionate about their product that they don't want to hear any negative feedback. They don't want anybody to tell them. So they ignore it. And the next thing you know, their product fails. So sometimes people become overpassionate and they miss that LSC and getting that feedback. So I think that's a really important point. Exactly right. I, I sometimes tell people it's hard to hear nobody likes your baby, yeah. but it's even harder to keep asking why. Yes. So hey, that, Safi, you know, you, know, you know, in my book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, every publisher in New York turned it down saying, <laughs> I didn't know what I was talking about. And now it's been on the bestseller list for 20 something years. Yeah, it's an incredible inspiration to a lot of us who are just starting out. So thanks for that. And thanks for that story, actually. I didn't even know that. But that's, yeah. you, you listen to you LSC. And the second one is another acronym, because I don't have a very good memory unless I have an acronym, <laughs> is SRT. And that's spirit, relationship, and time. And those, for me, are the three things I have to keep my eye on. 
those three balls you need to juggle and make sure they never drop. And that is, for me, spirit is the your higher purpose. And that higher purpose, it can, it can depend on the person. For many people, it's faith. For some people, you know, in the, in the medical world, it's, it's helping patients with, who have severe diseases. Seeing people, for me, this was an enormous motivating force to get up every morning, especially after I lost my dad to cancer, mm-hmm. is the purpose, the reason for getting up in the morning is that if something I do could give people more time on earth with their loved ones, that's incredibly motivating for me. So that's S. Keep coming back, even as you're struggling or people are saying no. Spirit, S, your higher purpose, the reason you're doing what you're doing. R is relationships. The kind of support you need, the kind of uh, a power you need to recharge your batteries never comes from stuff. It doesn't come from things. It comes from people. It comes from people that you're close to. So you want to, when you are, you know, deep in the, in, uh, a project and trying to get your way out of it and things are very difficult. Often relationships are the first thing to go. But those are th- exactly the things that you need the most. It doesn't have to be 500 people going to a you know a cocktail party three times a night, every night, five nights a week. It means a handful of people, five to seven people, that really nurture you, that really recharge your battery and don't cut them out. You need them especially when things are tough. So S, spirit, R, relationships, and T is time. When you're in the middle of fighting a deep battle and things are really tough and you're waiting for like some big results, it's easy to fill your calendar with stuff that doesn't matter very much. Little tasks that you should get done and you get them done because it gives you a feeling of moving along. But then you're just wasting your time. So it's important to keep your eye on what's really important, what really is going to move the ball forward, what's really urgent, what really matters to you. So for me, it's like a thermometer. I try to keep SRT in mind at all times. And if I'm getting low, if there's a yellow light or a red light on any one of those things, then I know it's time to reset. That's great. And I, That's I, great. I love the other one you have called PP. Productivity versus <laughs> politics. And man, I tell you, there's so many politics going on, nothing gets done. So that's what drives me nuts. I just want to jump in and get something done. But anyway, Safi, thank you for the fabulous book, Loonshot. I'm going to recommend everybody get it simply because, you know, dealing with people is the hardest thing. There's, you know, I was, I was going to play this song called You Talk Too Much. And I tell you what, as the organization grows, I hear so much talk and less production. Talk and no production. But anyway, that's life, and that's, but you still have to have people. Well, like my, my one of my great friends, he's totally on his own. He can make money on his own. He might be the happiest guy I know. Any comments, Kim? No, I just thank you. Thank you, Safi, for your great book, Loon Shots, How to Nurture the Crazy Ideas that Win Wars, Cure Diseases, and Transform Industries. I think it's a fantastic book. I can't wait to dig into it. And, so, you have, and you have Daniel Kahneman as your, one of your uh, head, headline guys who endorse you both. So congratulations on that. Because Kahneman and those guys are way – Kahneman and Traversky, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. They transformed – they started off as a crazy idea that everybody right. dismissed and right. transformed finance and economics. Right, yeah. right, right. So well, congratulations. Yes. Keep up the good work. Thank you chance. for the gift. Thank you for your gift that you're giving the world. Please say hello to Dr. Amy Edmondson and uh, keep up the good work. 
Thanks for having me on your show. Okay, thank, thank you, you. Safi. And when we come back, we'll be going to the most favorite part of our program. It's Ask Robert. You're listening to The Rich Dad Radio Show with Robert Kiyosaki. Don't be like Charlie. Charlie is that do-it-yourselfer who does himself in. Do-it-yourself is good for tile and grout. It is not good for asset protection. Charlie thought he'd save a few dollars forming his LLC online. With no guidance, he did it wrong. When he sold the property, he lost thousands and thousands of dollars. He did himself in by trying to do it himself. Don't burn yourself. Use Corporate Direct to set up and maintain your LLCs and corporations. Corporate Direct is owned and operated by attorney and rich dad advisor, Garrett Sutton. Garrett wrote the bestsellers, Loopholes of Real Estate, and Start Your Own Corporation. He is Robert Kiyosaki's attorney for asset protection. He and his team will do it right. Visit them at CorporateDirect.com or call 800-600-1760. Mention Rich Dad and receive $100 off your formation fee. That's CorporateDirect.com. CorporateDirect.com. Financial freedom begins with financial education. Now back to Robert Kiyosaki and the Rich Dad Radio Show. Welcome back, Robert Kiyosaki, the Rich Dad Radio Show, the good news and bad news about money. And, you know, sometimes when you're in business, the less you need people, the happier you are. You can listen to the Rich Dad Radio program anytime, anywhere on Android or iTunes. And all of our programs are archived at richdadradio.com. We archive them so you can listen to this program again. Again, our guest was Safi Bakal, B-A-H-C-A-L-L. His website is B-A-H-C-A-L-L.com. He's the author of Loon Shots, How to Nurture Crazy Ideas That Win Wars, Cure Diseases, and Transform Industries. So this is a fabulous program. And then please listen to this podcast one more time, especially if you have friends and family and business associates, because today everybody needs new ideas but unfortunately, as most of us know, in any kind of organization of business, politics trumps productivity. A lot of talk, not much productivity. So it was a great book. It's called Loon Shots by Safi Bakal. Any comments, Kim? Well, a couple great takeaways. And, and Safi's a, a pretty uh, pretty smart guy. He went to Harvard, PhD from Stanford, created a, a biotechnology company for uh, developing new drugs for cancer and took it public and was the CEO. So he knows a little bit about business. But the, my favorite takeaway is that he says in, to really be successful and stay innovative, that a company needs two dynamics. One is the dynamic of making a lot of mistakes and failing a lot. And we talk all about that a lot. We're always on the edge. You're taking risks. But then you also need the discipline to put these crazy new ideas into practice. So he says in companies, you have artists like the ones who are the creative and the innovatives, and then there's the soldiers who actually take the product and get it out to market. So I like those distinctions because sometimes we don't know if we're the soldier or the artist, and they definitely will clash. So you've got to identify those. And that's why he uses the metaphor of water. You know, you have ice, which is solid, and that's a bureaucracy. Then you have the slushy, which they have water and ice. Then you have pure water. And a lot of times... For Kim and I, we've we've dealt with a lot of entrepreneurs who are just pure water. <laughs> you can submit your questions to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. So Melissa, what's the first question? Our question today, Robert, comes from Leslie in Boston. Favorite book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. 
Robert and Kim, my husband and I are in year two of our new business. We've learned the hard way to overcome certain obstacles. How do you deal with the curveballs and the loneliness that comes with your friends and family not understanding the life of a small business owner? Well, I think that's the benefit of being a small business owner is because it's a, there's no such thing as a job as 24-7. And the more you can withstand the loneliness, the challenges, the curveballs, in theory, you get stronger. Now, the problem is you can also get stressed out, which makes you weaker. So that's why what you're going through, I commend you immensely for, but it, it, it never really ends. The, the hard part is talking, if I could shameless, shamelessly promote my book called The Cash Flow Quadrant. It's about employees, small business, which you probably are now, big business, and investor. They're all four different people. So to grow, is a big part of it is being aware of who you're talking to. When I'm talking to an employee, I cannot use my point of view too often because it's not the same point of view. You know, I, I really don't understand them. They don't understand me. So the cash flow quadrant is a very important book. Any comments, Kim? Yeah, um, well, I, I can just tell a story because one of the things that I think were really helpful is to is to find other entrepreneurs and kind of surround yourself with other entrepreneurs and there's organizations out there um, that, that do that. But when I was starting out and I first met you, Robert, on one of our first dates, and you said, what do you want to do with your life? I said, I want my own business, but I wasn't around anybody who was entrepreneurial. I didn't grow up with that. And your comment to me was, well, I've started several businesses and all of my friends are entrepreneurs. And I'm like, that's a great place to start because I'm going to learn from them firsthand what it takes to run a business. So I would say if you can surround yourself with more and more entrepreneurs, that'd be really helpful. And when people say, well, what was the difference between my rich dad and my poor dad? My poor dad was a school teacher. He was an employee. And my rich dad was an entrepreneur. And it's like what they call chalk and cheese. They're different people entirely. And to ask them to understand each other is almost ludicrous. So that's why Safi's book, you know, Loon Shot's a good book for people, all organizations to read to understand that you need more than one type of person in the business. And I, all too often, like I say, when I, when I run into a company that's dying, it becomes a bureaucracy. Everybody's got their little turf, they got their little titles, and everybody's afraid of making mistakes and they wanna make sure their feelings are not hurt. That's when the company's dead because it's already died and gone to hell anyway. Any comments? Kim? Well, and, and you gotta have a strong spirit because as, as so Safi says, you know, Oftentimes people will say, well, I don't like your product or it's never going to work or you're crazy. I mean, we were told that about the cash flow game. You're crazy. What do you think you're going to build and people will just come? Um, but, if you build it, will they come? Uh -huh. But what he says is you, you've got to have that passion for your product, but then you've got to listen to feedback with people are saying, well, no, maybe that's not the product we want. or We're not interested in that product. You've got to get that feedback that's negative and learn from it and make the product better. So. There's a lot of great stuff in this book, and we're just scratching the surface. So once again, the title of the book is called Loan Shots by Safi Bacall. So once again, submit your questions to Ask Robert at richdadradio.com. And I thank Safi for his generous contribution to our society. Thank you for listening to The Rich Dad Show. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.